We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. We've had some a uh, few things pop up that have prevented us from recording since that Boston Celtics uh, massacre. There was the old Memorial Day massacre. That was the MLK Day massacre, where Lakers lost, I think, one thirty nine to one oh seven. Probably for the best that I did not record that night because I was not exactly thrilled, but. We have seen the Lakers come up short in a few big games so far this season. So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss, are the Lakers built for the playoffs? Are they playoff not ready because they're not ready yet because it's January, but when the time comes, will they be ready? Uh, A common thread that I've seen in the games against Boston, who I don't put on the same tier, not just because I hate the Celtics, but I don't think they're the same caliber team of as Milwaukee, the Clippers, or even the Lakers, frankly. That was just one of those nights. Uh, But the Lakers have struggled, in my estimation, with teams that like to fight back. And I I tweeted about that and several people got upset and were like, Lakers have come back from multiple double-digit deficits this season. What the hell are you talking about? That's not necessarily the same thing, even if it's against a good team. Uh, To give a comparison, the Houston Rockets, for example, Lakers were down by 12 or something like that, certainly double digits at some point in that game, and they came back and won that game comfortably. The Rockets are not a physical team. That is not the way in which they go about their business. I'm talking about 
you know, the the grabbing, the hitting, the pushing, and just a general sense of force of we are going to come after you uh, that I have not seen the Lakers react well to this season. And it's probably my number one concern in terms of the DNA of this team, because that's not something that I think changes very often. Is this something for one that you've seen as well, Darius? And secondarily, is this uh a, a fatal flaw or is it changeable even if that's true now you know i actually hadn't framed it that way honestly mm. so you just brought me like a new idea to ponder over off the top of my head i would say it does sort of concern me but more from a not from a mentality standpoint but from a horse's Sure. Standpoint. So, so let, let's let's explain, or if you could, like, what is it? I know this is my point, but when you say, uh, like, when you when you frame it that way, like, what is the core issue here? No, just that sense that this is a sidetrack. But I was listening to a different pod. One of the hosts was basically saying that it might have even been Bill Simmons who said this. Shoot me in the face <laughs> right now. The conversation basically was that even after the Celtics game, that there were folks around the Celtics, not necessarily the players, but like team employees who were saying that the Lakers are just huge. They're just a giant team, right? And we've talked about that this season as well. And there is an innate physicality that comes from being just that Mm -hmm. big, right? You know, LeBron, AD, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee. Um, even when they have lineups with like where we say the Lakers have gone small and the front court is LeBron, Kuzma, and Anthony Davis. Well, Kuzma's like six. Yeah, 10, <laughs> not right? that like, small. Yeah. Like I've stood in a scrum with Kyle Kuzma and I'm just like, you are a lot bigger than what you look on mm-hmm, TV, mm-hmm. right? And we saw some of that even like in the Houston game where they put him on Westbrook and it was kind of like, oh, you're much bigger than like uh a guard who has made his bones off being a more physical player than like than every other guy who plays his position and and even a lot of shooting guards, right? And so there is this innate physicality that the Lakers have that just translates to on-court play in in a variety of ways. What I think you're talking about and something that I hadn't really considered before is even if teams don't match that physicality in terms of stature, they definitely match it in terms of the force that they play with on the floor. Well, and go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Well, you come from a martial arts background. And so this is something yeah. I'm curious of your insight on. This is something more from just living my life as it has gone. Like some people like to fight. Like some people yes. enjoy the action of, of fighting and, and all of that. Yeah. I don't think the Lakers like that. And I, like it, again, you have way more of a combat background than I do. Like, sure. am I on the, do you see this too? Like, what does it mean? Am I, am I overreacting to that or? No, I think that there's some of that there. One of the things that, so this was just random plays, but from the first Knicks game, remember mm-hmm. when KCP sort of got, clotheslined, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. and then JaVale McGee got hogtied Mm -hmm. to the ground by Reggie Bullock, there was this sort of like flat reaction from 
the Lakers. They weren't looking to mix it up mm-hmm. after that or start a scrum where guys are getting multiple technicals. It was sort of just like, oh, well, these are the costs of the game and let's go back and we're just going to beat you now, mm-hmm. right? And over the course of a long game against a team who's much better than the New York Knicks, I think that that can have a wearing effect on a team. And I do think that that's something the Lakers have been susceptible to in not only some of the high-profile games, but like even in the loss against the Magic mm-hmm. to a certain mm-hmm. extent, right? Where like Aaron Gordon was just sort of like, I'm the same sort of athlete yeah. as you, LeBron. So like, let me just put my body on you. You're not going to back me down very easily. And then uh, like in the Celtics game, Tatum and Brown, Brown especially, mm-hmm. I feel like carries himself this way is, you you know, Brown's a fantastic NBA athlete, but he's like 6'6", six, six, like 220 to like 225, mm-hmm. but he will stick his nose in yeah. there. And he is willing to bang you. And Ennis Cantor is not a great athlete, but he will live in your jersey to get to the offensive glass. And there is this innate sort of like, you know what? Like, I don't mind the contact. Mm-hmm. And I want, and I'm going to play with contact. A guy, so a guy the Lakers had last year who was not this physical specimen in the context that you and I would think about like this was Brandon, Brandon Ingram. Ingram. Mm-hmm. Ingram very much Ingram lo- thrives is, on you, contact. You, you absolutely. Know, like, like Slender Man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right, was like the meme right. that we posted all of last season. But that dude's like, oh, you're going to bump me? Like, I don't care. I'm just going to bump you mm-hmm. back. I'm going to put my shoulder right into your chest. I may be 200 pounds soaking wet, but guess what? When my shoulder gets in your chest, you're bouncing off me. Right. Here's, here's my pointy-ass the- elbow in your ribcage, <laughs> right? Exactly. And the one guy who can play like that is LeBron. Mm-hmm. And there are times where he does, like – Against Portland earlier this year, he definitely seemed like he had a score to settle with Mario Hazonia, Mm -hmm. right? Uh And he was just like, you know what? Every time you're on me, I'm just going to bully you. Mm -hmm. I don't even care. I don't care if I have to back you down from the three-point line. I'm just going to do it. But the Lakers don't have a lot of physical specimen type guys. Dwight will do that every once Mm -hmm. in a while, and he will throw you to the damn ground if he wants to, and he could do it every single possession. But I don't think it's the Lakers' mindset as a team to say, we're going to do this to you through physical sort of relentless 1990s Knicks style right. force. Well, and that was, you know, Stephen A. Smith was talking about talking to Clippers players and them sure. thinking that Lakers are soft, right? This is basically sure. what we're talking about is, are the Lakers soft? Yeah. And that comes with so many connotations and whatnot. But there's a real thing of like liking to fight and liking contact and seeking that out. Um, yeah. the, the main guy that stands out to me is, a uh, hmm, I wonder how this is going to work out is Anthony Davis because sure. he has, he's obviously a physical specimen, one of the best in the game, but like he does not seem to seek out and enjoy the physicality of it as much as other guys do is are are you seeing that? And how big of a problem is that? Yeah, I see that, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I would have said the same thing Kyle about Gasol. Paul Gasol. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, like that's a natural comp for Lakers fans, sure. right? Like there is this sense of, I don't think players change their mindset. I do think though that they get a certain amount of seasoning over time 
with what things are going to be like and what it takes to actually reach the highest level. One of the first um, things I wrote at Foreign Blue and Gold, and I think we talked about this um, a pot or two ago, was this idea of are the Lakers tough enough, which is basically the inverse of that is are the Lakers soft? Mm -hmm. And that was after the 2008 finals lost to the Celtics. And that was a question that was on everyone's mind after guys like Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol basically got bullied Mm -hmm. by Kevin Garnett and Kendrick Perkins Mm -hmm. and even guys like James Posey who were smaller guys but wanted to get into you that way. I'm not necessarily concerned about Anthony Davis in like the big picture long term I do think, though, that he will need to adjust to the physicality that's going to come from a deep playoff run. I think he has it in Mm -hmm. him. I'm not sure how that's going to go, per se, but that's what the games are for. Yeah, it's the Christmas Day game really concerned me in that respect. And not just that he was not physical, but he seemed rattled. Right. Like there was a play toward the end where uh, he was on the wing behind the three point line and the Clippers had gone on a run and they definitely had momentum. You know, I forgot who it was, swung the ball to him and he bobbled it. And then Lou Williams picked it up and then he fouled Lou Williams well after the play. But it was more like that guy's rattled is is what it looked like Hmm. by the way this has gone. And reportedly he was in the tunnel afterward going, we gave that game away. We get like really upset like that it went the way that it did. The Milwaukee game was intriguing to me as far as AD goes because along with that, you know, two of the best teams in the NBA matching up, you had him versus Giannis, which has been a thing going back, Mm -hmm. you know, number one pick in the 2012 draft. And then this guy who's developed into very arguably the best player in the league at in the next draft. So they have a bit of a rivalry. AD did not start out particularly well in that game, but he was really good in that second half. He was. It wasn't like he's he's never going to dominate you physically from a like contact standpoint, but he was good at being Anthony Davis in that second half. Yeah. And then that Boston game for me, he gets a pass after being out for a while and the whole team kind of crapped the bed. His timing was definitely like the thing that stood out to me most with him that game was just his lack of timing. Like there is a precision that Anthony Davis plays with these fundamentals that are just sort of the basis of his game. He lost his dribble a fair amount. He wasn't catching the ball cleanly. He looked a half a step to a full step slow in terms of getting to his spots, both offensively and more importantly, defensively. Mm -hmm. There was just a lack of, I'm not in the right place and I'm not getting to my spot Mm -hmm. the way that I need to, that totally threw off his entire flow during that game. And so I, like, I give him a pass, too. He hadn't even practiced, mm-hmm. basically. Right. There were, like, so many factors that I was just like, oh, like, making jokes to myself, like, oh, yeah, Boston, like, this is the guy that you didn't get. I'm sure you're weeping right. about it, right, right? right? Because, like, he just, he probably played his worst game of the season, like, mm-hmm. and that happens. Sure. So even if he had been healthy that full time, like, sometimes guys have their worst game of the season, mm-hmm. like the stakes or whatever to me the heightened stakes of the playoffs will be much different than like a random road game against your historical arch nemesis right right like that's not the same us fans treat those things a certain way but the players don't always 
especially a bunch of newcomer guys or whatever. Like I, I would probably bet that while Kobe might have carried some of that animosity into the 2008 playoffs because he had been around for basically over a decade, so much of that team was like a new team. But I guarantee you after they lost to those MFers, mm-hmm. they were like, we hate these dudes as much as any random fan that you see outside Staples That's Center. Right. right? So, so they were ready you remember it, the Christmas game the next year when they won on Christmas? Yes. Like that, that was one of those, like, I mean, we're, you know, talking about it over 10 years later, right? Where it was like, yeah, this matters. Like this game matters. And they carried it that way where they didn't yes. the other night. And everything you say is right. I don't, I don't like it, man. Like it, I, I get it, but I don't like it. Um, it, it's part of kind of the signing guys from other teams, even though LeBron has history with Boston, that's not, necessarily tied to the Lakers. I don't know. It, that, that game really rubbed me the wrong way to not show up against them. But you're right. That's that's different standards. In terms of Anthony Davis, I the jury for me is still out on him regarding whether or not he can, like he will react positively to this. I, I'm, and again, I say that like as on the fence, I'm not like leaning one way or another because that Milwaukee game, you went thinking about it, like he wasn't good on opening night, but there are all sorts of reasons to not be good on opening night with a new team and all that. But again, I, I don't like how much I'm like making excuses for the Lakers did not win this big game, right? And I'd like to see them win more of these. And is that like a harbinger for what's coming in the playoffs? Maybe. I wrote a piece that posted today at Forum Blue and Gold. Tagline for the post was, are the Lakers really built for the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Because that has been this idea that's basically been spoken about this team since they were formed, basically, right? Like, there are these core tenets that usually exist around teams that are built for the playoffs, right? They normally have a superstar, normally two or even more. They're normally a veteran team that's had a lot of success, not necessarily, like, collectively, but but even as individuals through, like, they have a lot of playoff experience. They're well-coached. They have um, a top-level defense. Those things all describe the Lakers. Mm-hmm. LeBron James teams have typically carried that moniker of built for the playoffs because when you have the best player in the world, that guy is the queen on the chessboard every single time, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's this strategic advantage. And when you can implement that over the course of a seven game series, it's difficult to stop. The flip side of that, though, is is something that you had sort of said to me on Twitter, and it was related to a different conversation, but you had talked about this idea that the playoffs are all about driving your opponent towards their weaknesses. The Lakers have very defined and specific weaknesses that are glaring. We can see them. of the ball. Right? Yes. So you chimed in right there, just nodding your head. Tell me what you think that those are. It's it's wing defense, and it's... Uh, you know, shot creation on, on the offensive end outside of LeBron. Um, these are things that we've known. I had, you know, we'd recorded a pod on how they should approach the next month. And I was thinking that shooting would be a bigger issue, but the same thing keeps popping up in these games where we can't handle wings. Now it might be Kawhi on one end, right? Where Kawhi's just shooting over KCP manifest that way against the Clippers, but against Boston, it might be, Tatum or Brown or Marcus Smart or someone like that dropping down or, you know, 
being physical with our wings, or it might just mean those guys can't drop down and battle with canter to sandwich rebound. If you've got a switch or yeah. something like that, right? There's been a certain, those guys are bigger, faster, and stronger attribute that's on the wing that the Lakers have in spades in their front court, right? But yeah. in, at that like two guard, small forward type position, they're really overmatched either athletically or size-wise, depending on what lineup that they're playing. That was one of the key things I said is basically on the wing, name the elite athletes that are on the Lakers. Does LeBron count? LeBron counts. LeBron. That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> that behind LeBron James, the Lakers do not have another elite athlete on the wing. Like not a single one, not even a guy who's not going to play. Mm hmm. Right? Like, they don't even have, there's no, like, even a Norm Powell mm -hmm. waiting in mm -hmm. the wing. Just a guy out there. There's not even a Marquise Chris, right? Who came up as sort of a combo forward with the Suns, and now he's getting a lot of time with the Warriors as this small ball center. They don't have anyone like that. And in the Boston game, I thought that that showed up a bunch, right? Because what Boston does is, is they throw their best lineup is basically Kemba and four guys who are between 6'5 and 6'8, 6'9, who are basically just athletic, strong, quick, and have either a little bit or a lot of like dog in them, mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's Marcus Smart, it's Jason Tatum, it's Jalen Brown, it's even Gordon Hayward, right? Who is like Kuzma, sort of like bigger than you think. He's like, you know, 6'7", probably 225, 230. He's sturdy. There's a lot of that there. And the Lakers, I don't know if this was even the topic of this, but this idea that the Lakers zig when they like when the rest of the league has zagged, mm -hmm. right? And you and I had talked about that earlier this season on one of the podcasts where they had sort of built this team that was really big. Well, conventional wisdom for the past, I don't know, eight to 10 years has been that you win in the NBA with wings mm -hmm. and the Lakers did not build their team that no. way. They did not build their team like the Warriors. I mean, they, they or, tried to sign Kawhi, right? Like a lot of like why this yes. team is what it is kind of goes back to that as ground zero. It does. It does. And if they could have gotten that player, then they would have. They, they ended up settling for Danny Green, fine player, KCP, who's had a wonderful year. They brought in Avery Bradley. We've talked about there's like a physicality there. Alex Caruso. Some of these guys are like point or have point of attack physicality against like size players. They don't have a guy who is 6'5 to 6'6, six, 6'7, six, six, who will just get into those other really physical wings. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why Andre Iguodala is a guy who Lakers fans covet. I'm not going to talk about some of the guys that I've DM'd you about, but <laughs> right, because I don't want to get into that here. But there's a common thread amongst a lot of those guys that you and I have discussed in terms of like, oh, this is a guy that I'd like. And they are those types of like six, 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 seven dudes who will just eat your heart mm -hmm. if they have mm -hmm. to in order to win the basketball game. And look, the Lakers don't have one of those guys right now. They may not have one even during the postseason. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a problem. Like 
The flip side of that, though, is the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. For all of the the Lakers are susceptible in these ways against these specific types of guys. There's probably 29 other teams in the league who are going to be a certain amount susceptible to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, sure. Right? Like that sort of push and pull in terms of forcing the team towards their weaknesses and how can you as a playoff opponent say, oh yeah, match this. And the Lakers have some of that in their bag, too. And so I don't want to underplay or position the Lakers as weak in this area overall. They're weak in some very specific areas. If you read up on the Clippers right now, they're talking about, oh, it'd be nice to have another wing. It'd be nice to have some size. Sure. You know why they want those guys? The Lakers, yeah. Because of the Lakers, Mm -hmm. right? All teams are sort of... How can we mask the areas where we're not as good? And you and I, as people who are so Laker-centric and are breaking down, like, down to the most minuscule details about this team, I think the little flags that pop up are alarming to us. And they should be to a certain extent, right? Because they are weak in these areas, and I do want them to improve. The beauty of the playoffs is is that it's a chess match that goes both ways. Mm -hmm. And I still have a ton of confidence in a team that's built under the premise that the Lakers are. It's just that they're not infallible. The flip side of that is beat them four times in seven games. Do it, mm-hmm. right? Like another team has to do that in order to win. And they're probably going to have to do it potentially without home court advantage. Sure. And so there's a lot of factors here that are in play that I think matter maybe more than this idea that we're talking about now, even if this idea that we're talking about now is obviously super important. If we were two and two against in those kind of big games that we've had this year instead of 0 and 4, I'd feel more, you know, more comfortable about the whole like, oh, well, they have weaknesses too, right? It's that the nature of each game has been like, we've been in these dogfights and we have not come up, come up to the challenge on that. Is that a, like my optimistic side wants to go, oh, well, it's the regular season, right? Like it doesn't really matter. Um, We're going to get a different version of LeBron James, of even Anthony Davis, of just this team overall. And it's a bunch of veterans that know that this is not the point of the marathon to be sprinting. I get all of that, but that's true of other teams too. It's not like Kawhi hasn't gone on championship runs and that other teams don't have guys with, with that type of experience. It's seeing them lose in like the same way that is concerning to me. And in that, like the, the comments that Stephen A. Smith was talking about with the, the Clippers all kind of play into this of like, I feel like the Lakers are, or, or the Clippers that is, are all dogs, no chemistry. And the Lakers are all chemistry, no dogs. And hmm. that is, that's premature. That is admittedly premature. But I need to see some evidence in the other direction, at least a couple of times before the end of the season, until at what point do we start going like, hey, well, this is what this team is, you know? Like even championship, we've seen plenty of championship teams. They show kind of their like top gear a couple of times throughout the regular season. I just want to see that with the Lakers. I'm concerned. That's all I'm saying. I think we've seen approximations of that top gear like the back-to-back against Denver and Utah, that was high-level basketball. I'm just, but but look, who's going to take? Who's going to fight you on Denver and Utah? They're, they're not that type of team. We roll those teams. My thing is, though, is those things matter. 
even if they don't matter quite as much as what you're saying these other games matter. So I'm agreeing with you within the context of would it be better that they'd won a couple of these games? Yes. Sure. Where I'm a bit concerned about them is more actually to me from a belief standpoint, right? And mm. so the opening night Clippers game was basically a close game for long stretches of that game. The difference of that game was some key plays down the stretch and that stretch where Kawhi absolutely killed KCP, all right? It was also opening night, so if you want to throw that game out or minimize its importance, that's fine. The Christmas Day game, they lost down the stretch. The Clippers made every single big play down the stretch and the Lakers didn't. The Lakers did not show up at all against Boston, whatever. The game against the Bucks was also another close, close game, and the Bucks just showed a higher quality. Like Giannis played at another level than either of the Lakers stars. There's sort of this idea of these are close games. They were all in their own way winnable games, and the Lakers did not make enough plays to win. So my concern is more not from a can they match up physically or do they have the horses? Even if they're a little bit short in those areas, they've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think they have the horses. I would have wanted them to win one or two of these games simply from a muscle memory standpoint of we know we can win these. Like we haven't come up 0 for 3 or 0 for 4. That's why Tuesday's game against the Clippers is going to be important, even if it's only symbolic, mm -hmm. just from a standpoint of like, oh, yes, like we have beat this team now. Sure. I don't care if you're LeBron James or Anthony Davis, if you're Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan. At some point, you get over the mountaintop by beating that team that you just simply sort of haven't been able to for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. And most great teams run up against an opponent like that. And I hate to ascribe that type of value to like regular season games. It may end up being that in order to get over the hump eventually, it's that the Lakers get their butts kicked in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like... That's a more big picture view. Mm -hmm. That said, what I'm looking for from this team moving forward is, yes, you know, when Milwaukee comes to L.A., beat them. Mm -hmm. When they play the Clippers on Tuesday, beat them. When Boston comes to L.A., beat them. You don't have to win these games decidedly or handily. I, I it's better I'd that actually they don't. Prefer, it's better that they don't. I'd actually prefer a close game, a game where it's within three points in the last four minutes. And now over the next 10 possessions or 12 possessions, how many of those do you That's win right. in the compacted pressure environment of we know that this game is there to be had for either side? Who's going to make the plays? Right now, the Clippers have that confidence. I don't know where the Lakers' confidence is, but if I were in that locker room, I might be like, hmm, it'd be nice to get one of yeah, these. Yeah, you, you got it. And like you said, it, like if it's a 30-point win, if it's the type of game where the Clippers don't show up the way the Lakers didn't show up in Boston, like look great and all that, uh, that'd be fun. It's not the type of game that this team needs. This team needs the type of game exactly like you just described, where they're both in it, they're both going for it, and the Lakers come out on top because the Lakers were able to exploit what the Clippers' weaknesses were and what their strengths are versus the flip side, which is what it's been coming up to this point. So let me put a bow on this for you. How concerned are you? 
43, 44 games in to the regular season. How concerned are you? Let's say nothing happens at the trade deadline. This is the team. Let's say there's no Darren Collison. Let's say there's no Andre Iguodala buyout. Let's say there's none of that. This is the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so if this okay. is the team, we're not winning the title. I, I really feel that. Like, And that I think that more goes to the shot creation problem and Rondo being done. Like, we, can, we can't go into the playoffs relying on him. And yes, LeBron's going to play 40 minutes a night and we'll take care of most of that. But the, the total absence of shot creation outside of him just... We, so let, let's say we get Collison because that's the – if we get Collison, we are now into like – I think we can do it territory. Not saying we will, but I think like it will be by far the most optimistic I've been. That said, this team is a lot better than I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I did not see them on a 65-win pace for sure. I, so let's not just gloss over that. That 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 is significant that they are – Firmly, in my opinion, in that first tier of, of the best teams in the NBA. But my level of concern for this is, is fairly high because I don't think there's anything you can do about it. If that's what this team is, if they're a team that does not like to fight, if they're a team that does not like the contact or like the idea of somebody pushing back, you said at the beginning of the show, they're a gigantic team. Kobe said that. Kobe was like, this is the biggest team I've ever seen. So this is, these are like NBA people, the Boston employees, Kobe, that have seen any and every type of team that there possibly could be. When you make them go, holy crap, about an attribute of a team that gives you an idea of how big the Lakers are. But again, we've all seen the big guy that gets knocked out by the guy sure. that's five inches shorter than him because for whatever reason, be it skill or be it uh, mentality, but that does not, us being big does not guarantee that we will win a physical fight. This is aside from the shot creation, because I think that's just downright prohibitive and tangible enough, whereas this is intangible and I don't know how it'll turn up in the playoffs. So I could be just totally off base on this. But aside from that tangible thing of the intangibles of this team, this is my biggest concern. What about you? To me, it's like collective experience as like a team, right? Like this this team is basically brand new. Even the holdover players like Rondo's a holdover player. JaVale McGee's a holdover player. Guess how long they've been Lakers, right? It, right, exactly. Yeah. And so like a year and a half, to me, yeah. it's more that collective experience of we have been through this together. We know how we're going to respond. We know the ways in which to pick each other up. Some of that only comes from trying something and failing, or being in adverse mm-hmm. situations and then pulling out of it together. There is a lot of experience still to be gained for this team, even if they're a top team right now, right? And so I honestly mm-hmm. wouldn't be that upset if the Lakers, if they were to advance to the conference finals, if they had like a six-game series and a seven-game series. I wouldn't mind if they had to come back for from some losses. I wouldn't mind if they had to sort of look each other in the face in a locker room after a disappointing loss and say, it's time to regroup, right? Because some of what they've Mm -hmm. experienced to this point in the year has basically just been like, we've steamrolled so, so many teams that these high profile losses can sometimes just be wiped away 
a little bit, but when you are going up against the same team night after night after night, and they are trying to pick away at the armor that you've put over your weaknesses to try to drill down into those and and really punch back and push back and say, no, we have something to deliver to you guys too. That's when you learn who you are as a basketball mm-hmm. team. And I think that that's where this team can grow the most. And so to me, I don't necessarily have like doubts, but what I'm looking for is affirmation that they have it. And that's not going to come until they're put in those moments and tested. And I would prefer that they get tested before it's like, you know, the conference finals or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we can just easily dismiss the entire regular season as like, oh, well, they'll turn it up in the playoffs. But every championship team that I've seen has shown though, had those types of successes during the regular season at some point. Yeah. They had a, you know, really lackluster, lifeless game against the Knicks. Just collect W's in games like that. We're recording this before the Brooklyn game, so we don't know how that one's going to go. But these are just like, collect the W if you can. Not a, a huge deal. But there were these markers throughout the season against these teams in which we have not succeeded once yet. And we need to before the end of the season. That is not like, that's not something that where we can go an 0 for or a yeah. 1 for 8 or however many games those are going to be and then be like, oh, it's fine. We're just going to turn it up. Like to me, that that pretends poorly for what the postseason will be. So we're going to have a few more chances like that. Um, they better not do that against the friggin' Celtics at home. I tell you that. Um, but until then, fingers crossed. Let's hope this, t- this team has them, has it in them. Uh, and until then, you've been listening to Laker Film and Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped. And it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't balance the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. Bryant, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?